Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome, everybody, to Me Time. It is November. I cannot believe it's November. I'm actually, this month, gonna do something a little bit different, and Me Time will be called Pet Time because November is, I think it's a few pet-oriented things, but it is Adopt a Senior Pet Month. I think it's Adopt a Shelter Pet Month. <laughs> I'm actually emceeing a, a super adoption day uh, with Best Friends Animal Society, and there's just a lot of pets swirling around, and so I thought, why not kind of make a, this a pet-centric month on me time? And I actually think going forward, there's gonna be more of that anyway. So I feel like our pets, our dogs, cats, iguanas, whatever it is, they bring out something in us, a sort of pure love, I think. And I feel like we can use more of that in the world always. And so why not, as we go into the holidays, there'll be lots to talk about this month, but I feel like pets are something I haven't like really gotten into on here. And I really want to focus on it. And we have so many fun guests and segments and things coming up. So I hope you all enjoy. I'm going to kick it off this first one, just talking a little bit about my experience with pets and my foundation and also why everyone should have one no why honestly like scientifically like why it is actually good healthy for us for our hearts our nervous systems all of that i found this beautiful article on uh, oprah daily because duh reading oprah daily about pets and what they actually do like physically to our nervous systems so I, I didn't actually, I, I wanted to do a little research because I know, I kind of know this, I've heard this, but I've never actually like read up on what happens and why and all of that. I just know what I've witnessed and what I have felt my Self. And so this article, they interview the Associate Dean for Research at the University of Arizona College of Veterinary Medicine. Her name is Maggie, so I like that. And her last name is O'Hare, which some of you will know why I also like that. <laughs> anyway, so human-animal interaction is her specialty. And so she, she, she says, I'm going to throw some words around here, but she says the calming effect is partly due to what's called the biophilia hypothesis, which is evolutionarily, we grew up around animals in nature. So our body is primed to pay attention to them. Animals can provide a positive external focus of attention. By positive, she means uplifting and pleasing compared with negative or aversive experience of seeing modern man-made stimuli like trash or concrete. <laughs> the interaction creates changes in our neurobiology of stress and the way our body reacts to the environment around it. In some ways, it's akin to mindfulness. 
Imagine gazing lovingly at your fur baby. This is what I kind of love about it because this is an experience I have definitely had. And so to read about it like this, like mindfulness, makes a lot of sense to me. Imagine gazing lovingly at your fur baby. It's similar to counting your breath or repeating a mantra. You're observing something tangible and outside of yourself rather than chasing your ricocheting thoughts. That helps regulate your nervous system, which slows your heart rate and lowers your blood pressure. So we don't, they say researchers don't fully understand how all of it works from, you know, the, the physiological part of like cuddling your pup to, you know, how it legit calms your whole immune or your immune system, your nervous system, and, you know, slows your pulse down, like all of that. But it's sort of how they say the two hormones, cortisol and oxytocin figure in. So there are a couple of quotes in here that I really love. The stress hormone cortisol is supposed to rise when we need a jolt of energy like first thing in the morning and when we're chronically stressed, it stops doing that properly. It's kind of like when you hit a piano key too hard or too long and it goes flat. So O'Hare's, I just like saying that, uh, ongoing research included a 2022 study shows that pairing veterans who suffer from PTSD with a service dog helps them get that morning cortisol rise back. So her team took drool or saliva samples from the humans to confirm and gauge the effect. Such benefits are more than heartwarming. They're hard scientific data that helps secure funding for service dog programs so more people in need can feel the puppy love. I follow on Instagram uh, these comfort dogs that go to visit victims of mass shootings. It's the LCC canine comfort dogs, and they go, they they deploy them to different cities when these horrible tragedies happen and to comfort the people there. They have now been taking these dogs onto campuses during finals week, and they're showing that the, the dog or cat soothes the college students' exams like nerves. So they randomly, the, they randomly divided students into four groups. One petted service dogs and cats at an event on campus, one watched others petting the animals, one looked at images of the same dogs and cats, and one was waitlisted. Pendry took saliva, she's a zoologist, anthrozoologist and a professor in Washington State University's Department of Human Development, Patricia Pendry, she took saliva samples from each student in those different categories several times, starting that morning and ending after the service animal event. The group that petted the animals experienced a statistically significant cortisol decrease after 10 minutes. As you're petting, this is her quote, as you're petting the animal, and this is the quote I love, as you're petting the animal, your body produces oxytocin. People call it the love hormone, but it's actually a neuropeptide that's released into the brain. In response to the presence of oxytocin in the body, cortisol production is suppressed. By petting, these are their dogs, Mabel or Mr. Mittens, you down-regulate its production. So oxytocin tells both of you, the you and the animal, that you're in a safe, nurturing place. It's essential to mother-child bonding and it turns out human pet bonding too. A 2014 study examined MRI images of brain activation patterns in mothers who looked at photographs of their child and their pet and found a similar pattern. So the more we uh, shed, pun intended, light on the bonds between us, the more we learn that pets can truly improve our mental health. It's therapy that's warm, fuzzy, and free. They end it with, in a word, possum, which is very cute. This kind of made me think about that. <laughs> I think it's become a kind of like hokey <laughs> bumper sticker, but it's very cute. It says, who rescued who? And it's a bunch of paw prints. And while we've seen that a lot and it's very cute, it's also true. I have spoken to so many people and I think a lot, a lot of us would say that our pets in a lot of ways saved us, you know, from whatever, an emotional 
just being in difficult emotional places saved our lives in a lot of ways. Steered us back on a good path, kept us in a place in our hearts and in love instead of in hate. And it just made me feel that bumper sticker really stands out. It, as I was thinking about, you know, pivoting this month into pet time, I kept thinking about that because I think that's like the majority of the stories that I hear. Obviously, I support adopting and rescuing and, and all of that, but it becomes such a bigger thing, this bond that I'm never, ever going to be able to put into words on this podcast. But, and I know I've talked a little bit about peanut and my experience with that level of grief, which I'm not going to totally go into in this podcast because, you know, that was, that was, um, sudden and awful. And I've still, you know, even I've been kind of almost surprised at the fact that I haven't, I don't have another pet in my life. So I'm, I'm moving in that direction, which is also part of this month as well, because I think these things take take time. And this one has really taken a lot of time for me because of, you know, lessons I learned from Peanut, lessons I think she was, she helped teach me. All right. So I'm going to just tell Peanut's adoption story. I could tell all of the dog's adoption stories. Maybe I will at some point, but I'm going to tell this because it's such a sweet story, but also I want to hear from all of you this month. I want to hear about your pets, your adoption stories, how your animals came into your life, what, how they've changed your life. We're going to do a whole thing and it's going to be so fun. I want to hear the stories and see the pictures and all of it. So I often talk about, I'm going to say this first. I often talk about when people are asking about how do you know when, you know, either you're ready or when it's the right dog. And because there's so many things, buildings, places people live, they might have restrictions on what you can adopt. And it's just, there are lots of reasons that can make it, you know, kind of complicated or difficult. And I always say the timing when, when it's the right time, I know this sounds really basic and simple, but, and you meet the right pet, you just kind of know whether in your gut or your heart or wherever that knowing happens when we have that knowing, you know, when you're just like, yeah, I know this is my, this is my soul. This is my heart. This is my animal. And so I say to trust that. So I, and I'm going to tell a story that I, (laughs) that I didn't even realize at the time how much proved that to be true. But when I met Peanut, Tristan, my, my bulldog of, of, at that point, 12, almost 13 years was paralyzed in her back legs. And on her, you know, I I just was, I'm not going to say on her way out, but I just didn't know how much longer I had with her, but I was there for every day she wanted to be here. So, and I was in a relationship and he had a few dogs as well. And I was also co-parenting when needed a dog from a previous relationship. Mm, Lots of, lots of, lots to unpack there. But anyway, so I had, there were so many dogs around and it really wasn't in my mind yet or whatever that I would be getting another dog. Also, Tristan was my heart, soulmate, best friend for so many years that I just assumed that I would need uh, time before doing that as well. So Elizabeth, who works in Tiger Francis with us, got a call from somebody who was uh, driving home. She's an actress driving home from set really late at night and uh, saw this dog. It was raining in LA, saw this dog in the middle of the street in downtown LA, this tiny little thing, this tiny little thing. And she obviously, so she picks her up, puts her in the car, calls Elizabeth and is like, I have a couple dogs at home, but they're kind of aggressive. I don't think I can bring a dog home. I don't know what to do. Elizabeth was like, all right, just keep her in a safe place until I can get her in the morning and we'll we'll just foster her and try to get her adopted, whatever. So Elizabeth meets with her the next day to get this dog. And I go along just because I, I want to meet her as well. And Elizabeth was about to leave town. So she's like, I'll take her for a couple days and then you can take her for, and I, I said, I'll, I'll take her after that. And we'll 
will, I'll just foster her. I'll just keep her until we find a good home for her. Because at the time, taking on another dog, I just was sort of in a space of like, I can, first off, I never thought I could do the foster situation because I would just keep every dog. But at that moment, I was like, you know what? I think I can do this because we have five dogs currently in the house. And I feel like I will be able to, if this, if we find the absolute right family for this dog, you know, be, be okay with that being the right home for this dog. So Elizabeth keeps her a couple days and then brings her over to my house. And I take her and I bring her inside and you know she's a little shy because there are lots of dogs and they're big and they're all so sweet so you know they uh, they welcome her um but she keeps high she let she loved to uh go to the the back of the couch i think it just made her feel safe and and high up it was kind of up against the wall so she could just like perch there and feel okay so i didn't want to like push her and you know um like overwhelm her. I think sometimes when, when, you know, I don't know, I imagine for me, that's why I always try to think, I'm like, how would I feel if somebody was like smothering me with like hugs and kisses who I had just met and I didn't know them very well yet. I'd be like, "Mm, what are you doing? Or worse. So I let her just have her space and take her time. But I just sort of sat like a little distance from her. But so she knew I was there, but like wasn't, you know, overwhelmed by me and the other dogs that were now in the house. And over time, you know, she, she'd start kind of to shake a little bit. I would notice a couple times, like, and so I thought, you know what, let me get to like a confined space. So I'd, I'd go into the bathroom with her. So I would take her into the bathroom and we'd just hang out in there and just, just she and I. And she started to get a little more bold and she would come over to me and she'd sit with me, but mostly she just sat at the door wondering these, like about the like five beasts that were outside the door. (laughs) And, you know, I'd let one dog in at a time just to sort of not be too much for her. And then we, we just like, we just got to know each other a little bit. And then I opened the door and she went out and she would kind of wag her tail a little bit around the dogs. And, but she really always, she just kept coming back to my lap. Like it was definitely her safe place. In this house, I had like a little art studio and I'd go work in the art studio a little bit. And I didn't, like the dogs would come in, but they, it just like wasn't their favorite space. So they really didn't hang out with me too much, but she loved it. So I'd go in there and she would sit in this little patch of sun and hang out with me. And while I would paint, and we just sort of, same thing. She'd keep an eye on the door when other the, when the other beasts might be coming in. She got very territorial with me, which was very sweet. And after a couple days, I really started, we like we really started to get to know each other. And I started to learn her language a little bit and where her like favorite places were, where she felt safe. And so I just worked with her on that and also was deeply falling in love with her. But I really, at that point, was still trying to keep my guard up around like, you can do this, you can just foster. Because I, I think someone had called, like we posted about her and someone had called showing interest. I don't think it was that serious yet, but still, you know, and I wanted to be fair, like to whatever family may have called or whatever was going on. Anyway, so a couple days go by and I had a plan to see one of my best friends, Melanie Linsky, who's been on this podcast and we all love. And I went to see Melanie. My boyfriend at the time stayed with the animals. And as we sat down, I said, she asked me how it was going with the new, with the new dog. And I opened my phone and I was like, look, she did this and look, she did that. And after a while, she said to me, pop it. That's what we call each other. Who are you kidding? You have 4,000 pictures of this this dog in your phone. She's your dog. And I looked at her and I was just, I started bawling 
because I was like, I know. And in a weird way, I felt like I failed. I know this is why they call it foster failing, but I knew it. I just knew it in my gut. We just, from the second I held her, we had a thing and then it just grew and there was no world where we were not going through this life together. And so I remember calling Jude and I remember being like worried. I was like, Jude, I know some people have maybe called about her, but I don't know how to say this. Peanut is mine. Like she is my heart and she's my dog. And I remember talking to her. I remember. So I have this thing too of like talk to your pets because they like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think on some level they understand some kind of energy and some kind of language. So with Peanut, I kept saying to her like, you know, this is just temporary. This is whatever. And I almost felt her like she would play these games with me. Like she had this thing that she loved to do, which I think was just like, like didn't want me to leave the house. But she would go into my closet and hide one of my shoes of a pair of shoes. She would like drag uh, my flip-flop, my sandal, my whatever onto the couch. She would roll on her back and and like almost kick her legs. Like she was like legit laughing at me. Like, ha ha ha, I stole one of your things. Like we play, she would play games with me. It was very, very, very funny. And this was just for like those couple of days. This was like early days of us getting to know each other. So that's just another fun story of like how we, like her, she was such a little, she was such a goofball and such a little like trickster. And this, anyway, so this is my point of like, we get to know our dog's personality. Like you get to know your animal's personality so well. So anyway, after I had this night with Melanie, I called Jude who was trying to help organize, you know, potentially getting her adopted. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like we have, we've like in a couple of days, I have a, like a lifetime of memories with her and I just know she's mine. And Jude was like, she laughed and cried and was like, of course she is. Like, who are you kidding? She was like, I was just waiting for this phone call. I was like afraid to call her because I was afraid to be like, I failed. I had one mission and I failed. Anyway, and then that was one of the best decisions I've made in my whole entire life, if not the best, because my life changed because of her in so many ways, so many major ways, major, major ways. And then I remember Peanut was on my bed at the time when I called Jude, and I remember her, like she heard, it's like she heard the conversation, she knew, and I turned, I said, Peanut, and she turned around, and I was like, guess what? You're staying. And she, she knew. She like did backflips on the bed, this tiny little thing. She was so excited. It was funny because the joke, the little tricks she was playing on me stopped after that because I think she knew she was staying. She didn't have to like keep me from, from going. And then we became inseparable for seven years. And I will probably have to stop telling the story now because I miss her so much. But that's my little peanut origin story. And I want to hear all of yours, whether it's an animal that's still with you, whether it's an animal that's passed, or maybe it's just an animal you bonded with for a few minutes. I'm going to tell more stories about horses I've met and iguanas I've met. And I want to hear from all of you too. So anyway, that's my sweet little peanut origin story. And um, happy, happy pet month, as we've been calling it happy dog vember or pet vember you know and i'm gonna just say this like i feel like i have had a not i feel like i know i've had a language a relationship a dialogue whatever it is with every animal i've i've had and i think we all kind of feel this way like we feel we know you get to know your your pet and 
they're all different. All of the personalities are different. Obviously, some of them, especially in rescue, you know, you can find animals that have come from really difficult backgrounds. You can, whether you're getting a puppy, whether it doesn't matter, we get to know our puppies, they get to know us or our pets, they get to know us. And this this real bond is is formed. Peanut was my, you know, like my morning, noon, and night. They like get us out of bed in the morning to walk. And anyway, so I'll come back on pet grief probably in another in another episode because I'm just want to talk about how special our pets are to us and and kind of launch into what we're doing. I will be having a few fun guests. Tim Amundsen, Timothy Amundsen will be back to talk pets. I feel so lucky. My friend Max Greenfield is going to be on. My friend Marnie. We're we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of pet love. Anyway, so I want to just talk about going back to that sort of who rescued who thing. The Tiger Francis Foundation, which my partners Jude McVeigh and Elizabeth Jett and I started a long, long time ago. And due to COVID, it has been very difficult to sort of restart these out of school programs that we had. But I want to just share what we learned and why I feel like it's 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 more than just our pets, it's sort of a bigger thing overall of what animals do and, and how they can help heal. But we had had an idea, we had this idea in 2014. We both knew we wanted to uh, sort of rescue animals or have a sanctuary, something. And obviously that takes a lot of money and resources and all of that. So we started very, very, very small. And we had had a couple of adoptions that we were facilitating and rescuing. And one day we got a phone call from someone asking us if we could, they could you know, get their, their daughter was in the Girl Scouts as if they could get their Girl Scout service badge through, through working with the animals we had in our foster house and even our own pets. And we were like, huh, that sounds fun. What would we do? And we came up with a whole day designed a spa day. It was very, very, very fun and very cute. And all of the girls had a ball. And while we were there, there was a tutor who had worked at a place downtown called School on Wheels. They are an organization that tutors kids who are homeless. In this case, this was a Skid Row Center, so it, it was tutoring kids who were in the Skid Row Shelter so that they could stay at their grade level when they are placed in homes and and not miss, you know, not miss out, not have to like, you know, uh, hold back a year or whatever. Really incredible, incredible place. <laughs> incredible work. And so he was a tutor there and he was like, you know, have you all thought about working with kids after seeing this day with the girls? And we were like, yeah, I mean, obviously we'd love to, we believe in, in the animal animals and healing in every way. So sure. And he put us in touch with Miss Allison, who at the time was the head teacher down, down there. And she said, they have guests on Saturdays. We set up a Saturday to go down. She was like, I really don't know, sort of just like structuring an assignment around it, which is like a creative writing or a art or something, drawing assignment around it. Let's just sort of see what happens. These are obviously kids in very high stress situations. So we said yes. We took our super vetted animals down on this Saturday, having absolutely no idea what to expect. And the teacher didn't either. There was one kid who was there already. And she said he'd had a bad morning and he was just not happy. He was, he was a little grumpy and to give him some space, he was sitting on one of the computers they have at the center there. So we did just that. We were like setting up and getting ready and getting the animals sort of in their little stations. And this kid turned around at one point and, and just asked who we were and what we were doing there. And we mentioned that we had, you know, some, some rescue animals that we were bringing down to work with, sit with, hang out with the kids that day. And after a couple of seconds, he asked another question, asked 
one of the pet's names and their story. And we said that, you know, she was found on the streets. She was a stray and she was just on the streets of downtown and got rescued. And he said, I live, I live on the streets of downtown. And then he asked me more questions and he started asking questions about the other pups. And all of a sudden he was curious and ta- and communicate, like talking and wanted to know more. And we kept, he kept saying, can I pet them? And then he'd get you know, down on the ground and pet them. And at one point I looked up as he was not kidding, like on the floor holding onto, I can barely tell this story without (laughs) getting emotional. He was holding onto my dog at the time, Tristan. It was an English bulldog. She was paralyzed in her back legs. And so she just would like kind of (laughs) sprawled out on the floor. And so the only way to pet her and be with her was to get on the floor with her. And he did that. And then he hugged her and he hugged her so tight And I looked up at the teacher and she had tears in her eyes and she was like, he doesn't talk to anybody. And now he's on the floor loving on this dog who is loving right back on him because that's what they do. I looked at Jude. We were like, what is happening right now? And it was a very moving experience for all of us. Yet the other kids hadn't arrived yet. We were still a little bit like, don't, don't know what to expect. And then the group come in, they come in in a school bus from the shelter and he stays at the door and tells every single kid that comes in about the animals. So he just sprung to life and suddenly was like, this dog is from downtown. This dog was found in a shelter. She's paralyzed. You have to be really careful with her and get on the floor with her. He's telling all the kids. And the smile on his face, the way every single one of these kids came in, obviously in such a high stress situation they were living in. And soon within moments, you know, they they got to experience this Exactly, I think what that article is talking about, just like sitting with these animals, petting these animals, feeling the love from them. They were asking so many questions. The creative writing assignment and the way they wrote about the animals, the way they described the animals, the pictures they drew of the animals, it was so powerful and so beautiful. And honestly, we didn't have to do any, like we didn't do anything. This was all that, like it was, it was these animals and their instincts and being all about love and these kids feeling that coming in kind of scared. They were all telling that some of them were telling stories just about what they had witnessed with animals and how they were a little scared and how, you know, a couple were just like, no, I was bit by a dog and I didn't want to be, I don't want to be around them. And slowly over time, they would all kind of warm up and then they would be having fun and laughing and feeling the love. They started to ask for the animals. So we set up an entire program, our Love on Pause program. We set up that entire program around this day. So we had a standing visit with them for months and months, for years, for years and years and years, not months and months, every uh, first Saturday or last Saturday of every month, I can't remember. And then developed over time an actual curriculum to try to figure out a way for animals to be regular visitors in schools because of what we were witnessing. And it's still a crusade and it's still something we're working on. I just wanted to tell that story because it was, for me, it was one of the most powerful things I had ever witnessed and made me even see the difference. And I knew what I felt with my pets and I have known, you know, that, that, that incredible love that we all feel, but to see it even just with kids, strangers, we ended up taking that program to, um, the Good Shepherd, the Center for Women and Children there who were victims of domestic abuse. 
we worked with communities and schools for a little while. Anyway, so it's something I my my whole heart is in, obviously, and I wanted to just share more and talk about it more on this podcast because it's um it's just one of my uh, absolute loves in life, and I really believe that there is such healing that can happen in feeling that love with our animals and our pets. The next partner of our podcast has truly made a positive impact on some of the most important beings in our life. Our cats. We have cats. We have these foster cats. And the cat's old food would stink. We would dread every time we would have to feed the cats because it would like stink up the old house. And the cat food was boring. Cats were losing interest in it. And you know what? Cat food, in a way, has sort of been the same forever. And it's time for cat food. And it has been time for cat food to move into the 21st century. So that is why you have got to try Smalls. Are you still feeding your cat kibble? Because now is the time to update your cat food with Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge, and it is delivered right to your door. Smalls was started back in 2017 by a couple of guys home cooking cat food in small batches for their friends. And then a few short years later, they have served millions of meals to cats around the world. It's crazy. It's so nice because you can feel better about feeding your cat real cat food and not just burnt kibble. It also doesn't stink up your house. And Honestly, you can read the ingredients, you know the ingredients, and I feel like this has been going on in the dog food world for a little while, and I feel like it's just, it's been overtime for cats to have the same sort of treatment because, you know, we don't want to be feeding our cats kibble and burnt kibble on top of that. At this point, you might be wondering, why can't I just feed my cat kibble? You might be, because I just said it. Believe it or not, your cute little kitty descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey for food, and your cat isn't any different. They still need fresh, protein-packed meals to be at their best. Other cat food brands know this, but they choose to put their wallets first. They fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. If that sounds gross, imagine having to eat it every day. After making the switch to small, 78% of cat owners reported their cats had shinier and softer fur, and 90% reported overall health improvements. That is a huge deal. Huge deal. And those are very high percentages. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they will refund you if you don't like the food. How nice is that? Also, I love the confidence. And they should have it. It's so good. It's so good as if I've tried it, meaning it's so good for the cats love it. The cats love it. Give your cat the gift of great cat food this holiday season. Head to smalls.com slash me time and use promo code me time at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That is the best offer you're going to find, but you have to use my code me time, me time for 50% off. That is such a huge percentage. One last time. That is promo code me time for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Just in general, again, like just reading on these these comfort dogs that are visiting victims of these horrible shootings that keep happening all around, and on the who rescued who front, yeah, I mean, I've I feel like I feel like I have had such unique, you know, I I feel like a lot of people talk about like their heart dogs. Like, have you all seen these kind of phrases like heart dogs or our soulmates? And you know, I I. I almost hesitate sometimes to say like it feels like a human connection because I I understand that that can get an eye roll from a lot of people but I I feel that way and Peanut to me was just as much my loved one as as you know my human loved ones and my animals have always sort of been 
that for me. And I do, I do feel that there can be sort of a difference in like, you have your heart dogs and your soulmate dogs, and then you have your like, your playful and like your dog dogs or your cats or your iguana. Like I have said, I like whatever your pet is, it's what happens in our heart with them. I feel like peanut could, same with Tristan, same with Frank, same with, you know, dogs that I've had, but I, I feel like spending time with peanut, holding peanut, looking at Peanut, (laughs) just looking at her sweet face. It was instant that I was in a different space. I was out of my head. I was out of all these racing thoughts, just like that article says. Like it says that, you know, these sort of ricocheting negative thoughts, it helps us drop into a different space. And for me, I just go, I just say heart space because that is what it, it was. I was softer. I was less afraid I was better in the world, better at my work. And I feel in some ways, I mean, as crazy as, you know, because Peanut couldn't, you know, say to me, mama, here was what I was, you know, here to do for this time and and get you through a a period of life. So I, I had Peanut, you know, only seven and a half years, seven, eight years. And unfortunately, and she was, she was just nine and it was very kind of sudden and abrupt and, and still to this day confusing. But when she left where I had another dog for 13 years and another dog for longer, longer periods of time. And there was something about, you know, with Tristan, my bulldog that I had, oh my goodness, Tristan and I were, were, I mean, people used to say, you all literally talk to each other. Like we had a language. We had from body language to actual language. Like we could, we, I, we were, we were two peas in a pod and in a very interesting sort of growth period time in my life, she was a part of, and I feel so lucky that I got to have her, you know, to, to the very end. I mean, she was 13 bulldogs. That's a very long life for a bulldog. And she was paralyzed in her back legs for the last two years. (laughs) And she had little wheels that she just loved. You know, dogs are just so resilient. They don't have like that you know, emotional, like I'm sure she missed the fact that she couldn't use her back legs, but it just didn't stop her. It didn't get her down. It was never about that. You know, they, so luckily I feel lucky. I, I, I was able to get a great little set of wheels for her so we could still throw ball and she could cruise around. And man, I would have, I would have held her and in, in a sling and in, as heavy as she was or whatever for, for, there was just no question for, for as long as she wanted to be here, I was, I had her. And so we had, we had just a real, real bond that even, even, and I talk about, so, so I feel like Tristan was, was this one part of my life. And then Peanut came along through, I would say, looking back and probably as lives go and we have these sort of eras, I would say that Peanut jumped into my life at a time where I did not know what was about to happen and how things were about to change or how, you know, because we don't. But it was the most, I don't know what to say, self-reflective, difficult, life lesson filled (laughs) era of my life. And Peanut made me I felt safe. I felt less alone, even though through that, even through that time, there were periods where I was super, super isolated. The pandemic, I just think of everything that we sort of went through together. And I think about what what having her through that time did to my heart. And I also think now, as I can still feel her at times, and I'll sort of say like, how would I feel if Peanut were here right now? I feel like she sort of got me through. And then it was like, 
like, mama, you can do this. Like, you'll be okay. I don't know. I feel like there was this lesson with her that was a little bit like, like I've tried to find that. I think we do that. And there was this lesson with her, you know, kind of abrupt exit that I felt like she was almost like, I got, I got you this far and I, I can't go any further, but you, you can do it. Like you don't need me to do the thing that I do for you, which is to stay in this kind of heart space. And I don't know that I believe that yet because I I still struggle and I still feel like I'm trying to learn that lesson. But this is the first time that I'm really feeling okay and open to bringing another, soon anyway, bringing another pet into my life. So I'm probably going to share that adventure on me time. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Me Time, Pet Time. I'm just excited about this topic. I just love pets in general, but I also think it's the love shared between humans and animals is so healing, and I'm just excited to talk about it. So thank you all for listening to my stories and for being along for this ride while we do a little pet time for a little bit. Thank you all so much. Please follow us on our Instagram at Me Time with Maggie. And please share. We're going to post about this, but share. I want to see. I just want to see all, thing pe- all things pets. Also, we'll do some fun Thanksgiving things, obviously. But still, all things, all things pets. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.